welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters have been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Chris. Glory days. They'll pass you by, glory days. In the wing of a young girl's eye, glory days. Glory days. Yes. That's it, man. That's I haven't been able to fit enough Bruce into the podcast. So that's the new one. That's Glory Days, obviously. It's me, DM Dave, Rock and Roll DM. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we got a really fun episode today. We just, and Glory Days is totally, totally right, right? Because, like, we went back to what we think is our Glory Days, which is back to basic D&D, 1E, that kind of thing. Uh, but as Bruce uh, prophetically, you know, talks about in the song, that's not really your Glory Days, man. Don't get stuck in those times, you know, because we're moving on. We haven't even hit our peak yet. But we're going to talk tonight about what we learned, what we liked and didn't like about our experience, you know, our final experience now playing the OSR, like we've talked about many, many, many times. So, guys, what do you think? You know, just as a setup here, we did it for, as you guys know, Scott, who was on the Terrains episode, uh, the Wizard Washburn, our Terrain Wrangler. Uh, it was his birthday coming up. He is an OD&D player from White Box, as you guys know. So I decided to run uh, a, a game in the basic fantasy role-playing game for anyone who's wondering which one we used, um, which is just a clone of basic D&D, the Mold Bay box flipped to a D20 system. And yeah, we ran an old-school module, uh, Dungeon Delve, uh, Meat Grinder almost. And, you know, so anyway, what get to here. What do you guys think? What, what was your first takes on this? Well, I'll steal the joke. It really had that Call of Cthulhu feel to it because nothing is low risk traveling you know between points extremely dangerous Tr checking a door extremely dangerous checking a chest extremely dangerous looking around <laughs> corners i definitely think the danger element is uh a lot different i mean you're rolling around uh poor uh matt was rolling around with two hit points there right so it's <laughs> that was a just me, level Dave. of it's a different level of concern. It takes the concern and it puts it in front of the story a little bit. A lot of times you're just really, really concerned. But I will say, ever after having played it back early teenager in in the basement, right? 1E, it was really cool to come back to it again after all we've kind of been through now and kind of take a dip in it. It really is, it's really, it really distills out a lot of the cool things that are, it's still there. It's super dangerous and I have some things I don't like about it, but I think that it is a really cool uh, counterpoint and it's really cool to see how far it's come. Yeah, uh, Tony, I think you you hit that right on the right on the nose with uh, Call of Cthulhu meets D&D. Cause like, like Chris, you just said, we haven't played uh, for me and you, at least, I know, Tony, you were playing second for, for the majority of the time, which is similar, but a little bit uh, less uh, wildly dangerous, And uh, I think. But, you know, we haven't been back to the, that type of system since we were kids. I mean, Chris was a teenager. I was preteen, you know. Yeah. Um, and now we're coming at it from, you know, a Pathfinder uh, 5e kind of mentality. 
Um, so very different. So yeah, the closest thing that we've played to it in, in this time is our Call of Cthulhu campaign that we were running for some time. And we kept talking about how wildly dangerous and it changed the entire mentality of the player. And it was interesting because now you're in D&D, but it still changes the mentality of the player, right? Stairs. Stairs. No, not the stairs. Stairs will kill you. <laughs> we, Just fall down the basement that's, stairs and it's all over. That's blood, your enemy for the like, evening. Yeah. Fall damage would have ended you, man. Like you fall off a, a pillar, you're dead, you know, or or an ottoman. So we should probably talk about why that is. So first off, character creation. Everything about this is pretty hardcore, whether it was intended to or, or, or not, because it had that real gritty, realistic feel versus the wondrous and fantastic feel that you're used to in 5e. So there's no max uh, starting hit points. Uh, we rolled out a bunch of characters. I had a character with two hit points. I had a character with one hit point. And it's like, well, if I happen to take one wound, oh, and by the way, you're dead. There is no you fall unconscious until someone gives you a medicine check. Someone gives you a shuffle. That That's what your reward is at that point. And then the character, uh, when you roll out, you're a 3D6, and we uh, try to do it uh, by traditional flavor where we rolled them out as they landed to help craft your character. So you could wind up like, I'm going to be a fighter. Well, my fighter's got a 13 strength and he's got a 16 intelligence and a five wisdom and an 11 constitution. And yeah, and a 14 charisma. <laughs> Maybe not a, a fighter. Uh, but yeah, so a little background so people know, uh, since I was running it and I, because I've been wanting to, I've talked about it many times on the podcast, I've been wanting to run this uh, this basic fantasy role play uh, game for a while. And now it finally, it happened. So I'm, I'm glad and I plan on cracking it out again for, for different things. But what I did, I had them roll up two characters and I changed it a little. I did 4d6 drop the lowest because I still think 3d6 is wildly crippling. Um, it's just too, it's too rough. The first one, I let them put the stats where they want so they could have the fighter or the thief or the cleric, whoever they wanted to have. And as Tony said, the next one, it was 46, dropped the lowest and it was in order. So you're going to see what you have, you know, maybe your dex is high and you're going to be a thief and you were thinking maybe cleric or something. But also, did you guys find it interesting that like, they they changed the order like back in the day. They, I don't know when it happened, but they changed the order of the stats. Right. It went like strength, intelligence instead yeah. of strength. Death. I got burned. I thought I was like I, I got a 16 for my second score. I'm thinking, oh, this is my thief right here. And then I bust over the sheet and it's like intelligence. And I'm like, he's a really smart. thief. Like, <laughs> this is like, it's a. Uh, I, that is a weird sort of arbitrary change of that. Maybe just grouping the physical stats and the uh, mental stats differently, but that was a that was a weird catch there. It's weird that they had intelligence second, but I guess it was more important then. Maybe it definitely was more important back in the day. We've seen we've talked about that a couple times, especially as we went into AD and D, because intelligence allowed. Uh, not only additional languages, but additional proficiencies and things of that nature. So you could be smart enough to be better, you know, as opposed to now where it's just like, I know some stuff, but I'm still like pretty much useless unless you get a religion <laughs> check or something. Right. So something I liked about it was character creation. 
you know, on the flip side of this was, bing, you're done. Roll up your stats, choose your class, choose your character's race, roll out your gold. You've got a character. And I think that's pretty attractive to especially someone who's not super familiar with any of the additions and how they work. Or you don't want to spend, you know, if you're, especially if you're not really proficient with it, you're not going to spend an hour making a character or searching out ideas. It's like, this is what you got. Uh, it works in a really big group setting. So that we all could have got together and all cracked out characters and be like, we're done. Let's play. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think it was uh, one of the things I like to pace of play. And I think a lot of it is around that is that there's limited choices and limited resources, very limited resources. Like you're like, right. You're like, I have 30 gold pieces and I'm a fighter. Like, well, I guess I'm going to have a sword or I'm going to have armor or something like that. And I hope yeah, I have enough for rations and maybe a rope, right. And a backpack kind of thing. So it's as opposed to right now where you, you know, you get your basic equipment and then you get a little bit of extra money and you're buying other things. Like there's, it was much more, uh, stripped down right in action you know in an action thing you can move and attack there's not all this there's not bonus actions and reactions and all these other things it's very stripped down which lets it move character creation and the pace of play and combat and stuff yeah absolutely i would agree with that wholeheartedly and that that's one of the things that that interested me about it and why i said you know we would create them when we got you know when we just sat down we just roll out some characters because it goes so fast to the point where you could be literally in a session and your dude dies and, okay, start rolling a guy. You guys got two rooms. I'll have them in the second room for you kind of thing, you know? So, like, in a way, because I know that that was a thing. Or you would just retreat back to town and hire another retainer or something of that magnitude. So we were in some games where the combat really dragged out. Like, we had seven people at the table uh, Dave had multiple creature types available, and we were just like, attack, miss, okay, move, attack, miss, go, go, and we actually really had traction, so, like, the battle really flowed nicely, and that was attractive. Something that was a little, kind of made my eyebrow go up was almost everybody was a fighter. Why? Because when you're a thief, you you, you can climb walls, effectively, and pretty much nothing else. Maybe. That was that was one of my Maybe. dislikes. That was that was my first Maybe dislike. Here. Climb a wall. Maybe. Yes. Take it away, Chris. I was gonna say, uh, Kilbo Stabbins, my handling <laughs> thief, right? His particular set of skills. He can move silently 30% of the time. And I'm like, dude, like your grandmother can move silently 30% of the time. Like she can sneak up with you probably 50% of the time. Like it's some of the stuff, like, legitimately, climb walls was 80%, and everything else was at a level where I'm like, I mean, I guess I have the opportunity as a thief to make these rolls, but the rolls were a point where you're like, these set of skills, I guess maybe by the time I'm fourth or fifth level, I'm actually not completely bumbling into every time I'm trying to steal something or uh, sneak into a room. Bro, or like, kill the, the thief plays, like... The thief from Basic and like one E plays totally like the thief character from Conan the Destroyer, dude. Like that wasn't like comic relief. That was literally just a basic D and D fucking thief, dude. That was him. that was him, you know. And you could you know you could attack from behind, you know. So. But you have to be behind, right? And that was one of the things. It's a kind of a cool. I was like, oh, sneak attack. Like this is very five style. But it's it is the the very true backstab. Like you yeah. have to be behind it, and a lot of times 
it's difficult to get behind there versus a traditional sneak attack where you just need to have advantage or have someone adjacent, you know, to the, the person there. So it was interesting. So I was actually looking at a cleric and I'm like, all right, guys, this is Scott's birthday. I'll play the support character. Finally, I've been saying I do this for like, you know, eight, you know, uh, different campaigns. I'll finally do it. And I looked at this cleric and I'm like, this is atrocious. I don't get one spell at first level. Not one, but I could turn undead if we happen to run into them, maybe. Which, which you uh, that would have been helpful in this adventure because you ran into several. But um, but yeah, it's interesting that the cleric and I remember this from even AD and D that first level clerics still were not able to cast spells yet, like they were still having to like prove themselves. And I don't know if that was a balance mechanic for uh, for against the wizard or something like that, but. But yeah, that was very much a thing. They, but they were able to to be a warrior. You know, they were able to wear armor and things like that. So you could still be kind of a a halfway fighter, but also still have some some interesting flavor to it. So character creation wise, like like we said, like it's definitely I I found it. Uh, I mean, one the nostalgia of seeing like even the the basic fantasy role play sheets they made up look exactly like the old molded ones so just the nostalgia was there you know you see the the save for death ray and paralysis or petrification or wands and staves and you're like oh man this is it you know um it doesn't make as much sense as like make me a deck save or in a wisdom save I, you know i i find it to the stat to be a better way to save on but how about now like going towards the actual like adventure and the the gameplay itself that's where i really was finding some things that i really liked that were really shining not the least of which is running one of the old school stat blocks um that were literally i i just pulled a module from uh basic fantasy roleplay the website they have tons and tons of resources all free which is one of the things i really like about them i haven't played any dungeon crawl classics or old school essentials but Basic Fantasy, there he he's has made the point. This is all free. Don't buy this stuff. You know, this is just I want to just make this happen. So I grabbed one of the old ones out of uh, an adventure anthology or something. The Cult of the Green Skull, you know, your classic dungeon deal. But the stat block is your classic old stat block, which literally had you know move, attack, how much, what's the damage, his morale, hit points, the end. You know, and I even liked it because in the module itself, they broke it down into each one had different hit points. And it was just a little checkoff box, you know, four, boom, 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 he's dead. You know, this guy's got seven, this guy's got three. But it was it was all I could have fit all of them probably on two index cards, the entire module, all the stats. It's beautiful. Which I, I really liked in terms of ease of play. We talked about that with, uh, you know, kind of streamlining some stat blocks when you're running your own adventures, even in 5e. But this is, I mean, you want to talk about streamline, man. This is it. And it was the the essentials, right? The things, I think it, as we've added stuff, it gets better and cooler, but it's something to see it in its barest form there when it's just the, the basics. And the idea of different hit points right now, it seems like it would be kind of like a hassle a little bit. Like I'd be like, oh, I have to track different things for everybody. But there is something to it. And the way that it was back then is that they would have just rolled up the monsters differently. Like everything was around the randomness of the dice. Like it was, you know, how much gold you have. Everything was related to the dice rolls. 
Yeah, that was the running joke the whole time where I kept rolling out one D6 for the silver on the goblins, and it was always a one every single time. They all had one silver piece on them all the time. I'm never going to get plate mail. I can't move on without discussing – I have to revisit an old joke about being a old-school wizard and how it's like being geriatric. So you think this poor character class, you're, like, you're thinking Gandalf, you're going to be a mage, you're going to wield cosmic-level power. You've got one spell. You've got a bullet. You got one bullet in this gun. You better actually connect with it because that's basically all you could do until you take a long, uninterrupted nap. You're literally Dr. Loomis from Halloween, some geriatric old psychiatrist with one (laughs) bullet and a gun. Your your armor class is horrendous. Your hit points are laughable. And the only thing more laughable than that is your weapon selection. Good luck. Yeah, no, I mean, Bonnie's character was uh, more effective with the cudgel, right, than the magic missile. Just because magic missile, you could only use it just the once, right, per long rest. One and done. So, yeah, one and done. That's a pick pick wisely. Uh, But those saving throws you brought up, oh, good God. Like, someone started casting a spell. I'm like, please don't cast it on me. I'm a human fighter. I have, like, maybe a 3 in 20 chance of saving. Well, I'm dead. Not only that, but talking about that with the save stone and especially running because so the cult of the green skull, like it was a classic dungeon dell where a cult has taken up thing and it's an evil cleric. I mean, the, your introductory adventures, I think, in all basic D&D were always an evil cleric, whether it was the moat house at the village of Hamlet, right, whatever. Like there's always some evil cleric trying to raise something. Right. But I literally I mean, it was not a solo encounter, but like. Tony, you were always, you've always been a big fan of trying to have that big, bad, evil guy, the solo encounter for the big finish. And in this system, or a system like it, any of the OSR stuff, I feel like that's actually possible because it was, I mean, like, for instance, when Jevram, the evil cleric uh, who headed up the Cult of the Green Skull, cast whole person. Right. So a whole person in this in this system was much more of this kind of open ended thing where it was you either one person you're trying to save against a spell at a minus two and your saves at level one for spells. Let's say it's a fighter or it's probably like a 16, 17, maybe. So good luck. Now you're running it rolling 19 or better or you're held for. I think D6 rounds or 2D6 rounds, whatever it might have been. Or I could cast it on a group and hit 1D4 people. So I cast it and cast it on four different adventurers. Thankfully, only one failed. Or the half, the three-quarters of the party would have just been, no, you're just out. It's safe and stuck. There's no resave at the end of the next round. Mm-hmm. You don't hit them and they come out of it. No, he's just held now. Like, that's that's – like deadly level right and that's scary level too i think yeah no that kind of ancient threat there uh i had a party nearly tpk because of a whole person spell it's a low level cleric uh spell and time to make some saves no except like imagine what you did in that game except three quarters just blew our saves yeah and then we just got cut down you're just standing there like an idiot you don't get a saving throw for like eight rounds which might as well be eternity Let's start writing, rolling up your next character. Yeah, which brings about Chris's big dislike 
from well, OSR. Bring it up. And in general, in gaming. Let's hear it. Uh, dying, right? The character's <laughs> dying, especially in the OSR sense, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, in many ways, it's a, it is a game, and a game is about winning or losing. And, I mean, when a character dies, it's a bit more than a loss, right? It, it always seems like that. I mean, just it, even in the game there, when uh, Scott's character died, like, I felt kind of bad about it. Now, obviously, I'm more of a 5e guy, right? So I have a stronger connection. But it, I just don't, I mean, I guess if that's what you're coming in expecting, that's cool. But I think that there there's a better way to do it. Like, right after we played, I started texting Tony about what if we started doing something like, and I started, started I mentioned it to you, like something like a serious injury instead of death, where you're still maintaining the challenge and the consequence where you're still pushing them to have to go back to town and spend money to get it fixed or it's going to cause you to lose movement or have disadvantage you've lost an eye make it significant i lost a hand right i lost an eye you have to relearn it you can't use two-handed weapons now or you have disadvantage on perception or something like that give it a cost enhance that whole cool element of that which i thought was you don't just go and blow the dungeon away at once, right? Like our traditional idea is like, oh, we're going out to Fandelver, we're gonna hit the thing and we're gonna go through the whole cave in one shot, right? Yeah. That wasn't a one-y thing. Like you'd go in, you'd hit like that first thing, and then it's like, oh God, flee back to town, right? And everybody goes, run away, right? And they gotta heal up, right? And you gotta hire some more retainers. What if you just enhanced it and just made it instead of I mean, if you can't if you legitimately want your characters to die. That's cool. I mean, it's your thing. But for me, what if it could be another way and you're just injured until you can find some way like it would be like just grabbing another retainer in many ways. What do you guys think? Well, the problem there is, are we trying like if we're doing like a one shot like Dave did, it was fun. The last time I played this, we did a one shot. We all got a bunch of characters. A bunch of our characters got splattered against the walls. We all laughed. It was fun. But if we're actually to try a serious campaign, no, you, you got to give. I mean, I like the simplicity of the system. I like them not doing bonus actions. There's no legendary actions. All those things are attractive in their own way. However, you know, uh, I've been wounded once and you're dead. I'm like, wait, I was in full hit points. Sorry, I rolled a six. You're dead. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. Absolutely. And that's what I think is great when you return to the OSR stuff, because immediately coming from any later editions, even AD&D or 2E or whatever, whatever you're coming from, the minute you go back, you go, oh, this is why they started to have death's door. This is why they mm-hmm. started to have negative hit points. This is, it was people immediately in parallel evolution finding patches for things that just weren't working. That's why you will never find any table that stops dwarves at level nine, right? Or elves at level nine, right? It's just not going to happen. You Because immediately every table went, no, fuck that. You know, Legolas can go beyond level nine, right? And I will say, that, Chris, it's a good point because I even added, they have optional rules in there. So you don't have to have it be such crushing defeat. Yeah. I uh, you can do the thing where I had where if you get knocked out, you get go down to zero. You can make a save against uh, I think it was like uh, death or death. death, ray. Ray. death yeah, ray, we right. Yeah, death ray. Save. And if you make that save, you now have 2d10 rounds uh, to like uh, Tony Jen's character, I think, went down. Right. Correct. And it was 2d10. Ra- she had like like 
<laughs> it's like nine rounds or so, or 19 rounds for the guy, right? Um, something like that. I, Chris, I actually, you texted that out last night. And no, I absolutely love that because, Tony, you're absolutely right, too. If we were doing something where this is the team and we're going to go forward, how I don't see how that's – you're not going to have any connection to the character – the story gets interrupted because it becomes more you're just sending pawns out and whoever lasts the longest is the hero. And there is fun in that kind of play, but for a long narrative story-based kind of campaign where you really get into the characters and, and, the, and the, the story that you're developing with the table, that's not going to be, yeah. So I agree. I love the idea of like lingering injuries and stuff. I've long thought about even adding that into, you know, even the 5e games just to add that level of, okay, I need you to role play this now. Like I remember in Woodstock, the Woodstock game, uh, Scott's bard, Adelard, Adelard the bard. Uh, We had fought, Tony, do you remember when we fought all those corpse flowers that Thorin had thrown out at us in the cave entrance? That was a really heartwarming encounter. Yes. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a deadly encounter, man. Throw a couple corpse flowers out because, like, they just – they'll kill you, and then they lift you up and slam you down onto their, like, spike pedals or some shit, and then you raise up as a zombie in, like, a you know, four rounds or something like that, right? Whatever. But Scott, on his own, decided that Adelard, because of the level of injury he had taken – his arm was like destroyed and shredded up to the point where he was playing it unbeknownst to most of the other, the rest of the table, he was playing like he only had one arm. So he wasn't using a shield anymore, things like that until he could have beam my cleric uh, regenerate the limb when I got to a certain level and I could use regenerate. So I, I love that idea. And I think it creates that level of danger that you're looking for without completely derailing the the party dynamic that you're trying to nurture and foster. I mean, and I think it comes from that in money, it was one step removed from war games where I went from a battalion of people and I'm, Oh, now I'm this guy, but I'm just this guy. And then all of a sudden now it's one. now it starts to be two. This guy's got a story. And all of a sudden now this guy has more about him and now I'm more interested in him because I've taken the focus and I focused it down to the one person. And now the soldier has to have more of a story, a backstory and a background and they have to add different things. So, yeah, no, I enjoy it. Like I always have a hard time killing players. Like it's one of my big faults as a DM, but something like this, I feel like it takes the gloves off a little bit. It's like, ah. You know, you'll lose a limb. You know, you got to go back to town and spend, you know, a thousand gold pieces to the wizard to have him regenerate your limb there or something like that. And it creates that dynamic of campaign time in between that you lose a lot. Right. If you're just quick healing. Right. You could move with that lingering injury in the slow healing model because you travel back to town for two weeks and then go back to the dungeon versus the way we do it now where everything is feels much quicker in 5e. You don't get that kind of long-term things that you do in Cthulhu where you have to go to a hospital, right? Like you have to role play hospital time. Yeah. That's where you know, my cello serious. It's like, yo, I'm in the hospital. Like what you do tonight in the game? Oh, we were, we hung out in the hospital. I had to oh, heal man. up some serious this one nurse. I'm really I I'm gonna have a talk with her superior. I'll tell you why. Yeah, I was I was very dissatisfied with the service there. The food they call these mashed potatoes. <laughs> Oh, so to add to that, honestly, uh, I got to throw in XP. 
Now, I do oh understand. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. I, I made a joke about this in an article, and then people came back, and they're like, no, you get gold with your XP, too. And let me tell you, we adventured a, we had a solid adventure, and between seven guys, we walked out of there with, I think, a tenth of a level. So yeah. you combine that with you're easily killed, and my answer is nobody adventures. That's why the world would be populated by farmers, because there's no way I'm risking my life ten times like we did on Sunday <laughs> to that level of intensity, and that was life and death. Like every every corner, every aspect of it to then get the second level. I mean, if you're really looking for that gritty feel, like that real realism why it takes years to advance, it's there, but you got to really be in for it. And something on my dislike list that I do not miss, energy drain. Yeah, we didn't run into it, but we did talk about it a little bit. Uh, because, yeah, it's there where the energy drain with things like vampires and, and some like whites or wraiths, like undead type mm -hmm. creatures. It's actually uh, oddly common. Yeah, they'll take a level from you. And it's funny because or two. what was great was when Scott was telling some of the, his old war stories, in essence, from his white box days at Penn State, right? And he's talking about how, one, he got to the uh, – it took them, like – he was like, oh, yeah, like, we would have to do five, six sessions, like, all-nighters uh, to get to, like, second level, you know? And really, and if I missed a game, man, everybody had, you know, gone beyond. I had to catch up, blah, blah, blah. Like, wow. And then he said how – Chris, remember when he was talking about his one paladin, he had rolled some crap hit dice – so he didn't have a lot of hit points, but then he got like he fought a vampire and had energy drains. So when he re-leveled, he actually got better hit points. So it worked out for him in the end. But yeah, I, it worked out for him over. I can't even imagine how long with the, the, the time that it would take to that just to get to level two and then die or something like that. But oh, God forbid, like I get to level two and then you drain me back to level one and the next thing. <laughs> like, oh, bro, like level two, like what so happened in the have, past three months. Yeah, now I have five hit points instead of two hit points, right? Oh, good Lord. But uh, Chris, back to your point earlier, uh, just to just to round it out, because I had a thought uh, because I'm kind of there with you because the three of us actually, I think, are all very, very uh, interested in the story portion of the game and where the characters are going and how they develop and and who that is, you know, like. Like, we're developing this as a table as we're running the table. But it's like, you know, Game of Thrones, right, was so – it changed the game. And why? Because they killed people off. The heroes don't die, right? Like, your star guy, Sean Bean, playing Ned Stark, gets axed at the end of season one. And everyone went, what? Like, are you – this was the whole show. And that was awesome. The only reason that worked, though, was they spent a whole season – Building up why Ned Stark matters, what he's doing, who he is. You, you care <laughs> about him. the first episode, like they open it, it's like, shoop, and I was like, oh, that was Ned Stark. <laughs> right, when the dragons attack like the Lannister, like gold convoy, did anybody give a shit about the 40,000 soldiers that died? No, fuck them, right? But <laughs> That's Stark, statistic. I will die on, my, on this hill. Ned Stark, fuck you. I will tear down a kingdom for this man. But those 40,000 dudes, fuck that. Like, and it's only because they spent that time. Yeah, and that is definitely something that changes when you have the time for a character to to last, you know. That's actually a, 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 a kind of an effective trope where you throw out a character, a, a NPC of some form. You get the party to like them, 
and you know like, this is important. This is why they're there. And then I guess that character is dead now. I guess we won't be all sitting around a table talking about this. And there's your motivation. This is your driving force. And that that's literally been the entirety of the Dragonlance campaign up to this point. And as I said, I lean heavily into that. You know, when you guys were doing the escape from Vogler after the invasion, you're at the wharf. I had decided all of the different villagers that you saved in the, the board game portion before were now there. But they were people that you, you had met them for a session. Right. But they still they had a name. You would talk to them. You would you know, whatever it might have been. And it made much more sense than villager A got blasted out by the by the boiler drack, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very effective in that way. Yeah, yeah Rush Bleeder wrote a song about the, uh, the bartender lady. Yeah, there, like, yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was a powerful, that was a uh, master class in NPC things. Is, to your point, you had to, they had to be there long enough for you to give a crap about them, right? Like, I yeah. think if you just flash them all into fire in, as soon as we walk into town, you don't care. But it really, it was like, oh, it added a little something to the session where everybody kind of stopped for a second and was like, oh, that's kind of sad right like it's a different thing that you usually feel at the table right you know so it was uh i thought that was very cool and going back to the article that's probably up on the site right now where i talk about how i kind of leaned even heavier into the best adventure hook in 5.8 which is the ispen green green shield thing where you're you're attending his funeral and he's someone from your past but i did it where you know, one, you guys were already putting them in your backstory in some way. You each had some individual thing, but that was in your imagination, right? When we ran through the scenario and you're fighting with Ispen, in essence, now we have what I was saying, like in the article, game memory. Like now it matters because what happens in game, what I remember from the game, the session itself, that sticks with you, right? Much more than your imagination of the other narratives that are happening, right? I thought a couple of the combats, especially at first, and there definitely had a bit of a 1E flavor as far as danger. Like, they definitely found the, uh, definitely found that dragon cannon thing or whatever. Like, thing. that thing was uh, absolutely, <laughs> that was uh, deadly. Yeah, ludicrous, right? That's ludicrous being knocked out by a horse, but don't get me started. But Chris, <laughs> you were talking a little bit after the game, too, and you were saying, like, you loved how uh, in the in the, the the game, the OSR game we just did, um, where we literally, I had waves of monsters coming. Like, you guys opened the one room, right? You walk down the hall, open the door, and there's like eight goblins and a hobgoblin just hanging out there like, okay, initiative, everybody, you know? And there's just waves running down the hallways at you. And it did not, it didn't turn into Mount Gacchus where we like, okay, guys, we're going to schedule this big battle for Saturday night, you know, and that will be what we do. I tell you what, though, I was thinking about that at the waves, and it was like, well, what if you took it in 5e and I took, I have three goblins with nine hit points each, and instead of that, it was nine goblins with three hit points each, right? Now, obviously, you're multiplying uh, combatants, so that changes the difficulty, but there was something about the waves of low hit point monsters kind of like when we fought the crawling claw things in the stanworth campaign yeah. there's something about and you're just i mean every time you're hitting them you're killing them but they just keep on coming it's not like uh it has a different level of danger to it because it's a little bit more fluid it's not just one or two things it's like six or seven or eight things coming down the hall at you 
and you haven't been in these conversations, and I think I know exactly where Tony's going to go with it. Uh, this is the constant debate that you will always find surrounding the 4E mechanic of minions. The whole point of the minion, and Tony can go with even more deal, is exactly attempting to recreate that that feel. That feel of you're in the mines of Moria, right? And the waves of orcs are just rolling down on you. Tony? Well, I felt the, the creatures having a base one hit point was was poorly received by certain audiences. I mean, it'd be like, hey, this is a level 20 monster with one hit point. That <laughs> is, can be a little tough to sell. I will say in the game, when the doors opened up after we had finished the boss and all these other creatures were coming at us, I'm like, well, gentlemen, it was an honor to serve with you because David's killing <laughs> all right here. Uh, play as the ship's going down here. Yeah. Nope. And I had to do something. Well, here's here's behind the screen. Ready? Here's the my the take behind the screen. You guys had turned through the dungeon and rolled up on like the final boss pretty quickly, which I was like, all right, cool. I was like, but like we could just be done now or the alarm has been raised because shit's been going down and now guys are coming from the other side. And that's in essence what happened. You know, it was kind of a, all right, well, it's still kind of early. So I think they can handle this. <laughs> they're all wounded. They're out of spells or low on ammo. Here comes eight goblins behind them or four wizards. Yeah, I, No, a wizard and three acolytes. But I will say when I unleashed four magic missiles into the room and dropped most of the party, that definitely changed the dynamic. Yeah, the magic missiles were uh, super crazy. But I, I think there's something to it. And it was one of the favorite combat things where you brought in like everybody's beaten up and you, oh, you finally get the thing. And oh, nope, it's not over yet. There's more people here. There's other people in the thing that just heard you beat the crap out of the guy and they're coming for you and stuff like that. Yeah. And of course, you had to have to, right? If you want to spend, especially in 1E where you have limited resources, you want to spend that magic missile fast, you're toasting. I mean, those guys, they, um, they hit us all with the magic missiles, and in the end, they were trucking down the hallway because once we cut through all the goblins, they had no defense. Like, they had spent their one uh, spell there, and so they just become cannon fodder. As I made the joke, like, Tony's dropping arrows down the hallway, like, from <laughs> Elf, Buddy the Elf throwing the snowball with the kid running away, right? <laughs> so that's what I was kind of thinking about with this is we talk about limited resources in 1E, but the whole... The beauty of 1E, where you have that very simple character creation, right? You can make them in three minutes. They got a sword. They got a, a chain mail. And my name's Freddy the Fighter. You guys gathered so much magical gear as you went into the dungeon, right? Like Matt's character had a, a, a great axe plus one. You had found a ring of protection. You found potions. You found all this stuff. So then, like, the tables are turning because now you're starting to unload, and we're not attuning to these things because there's no attunement rule. You oh, can't... no. Give me all the goodies. <laughs> Hold yeah, on an hour. Sword, man. It's a magic sword. Like, just go kill Vlad the Impaler right now, right? It doesn't matter. So, like, that's kind of was a cool mechanic, too, where it changes it because now I'm delving in there, but there's stuff in there that can help me, you know, and can make me better. The treasure and gold were extra there because of the danger and what they needed to give you. Gold was XP and the magic weapons kept you alive just a little bit longer yeah. down there with two hit points. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, I have a special, uh, you know, award to Matt for playing a character for an entire session with two hit points. Bravo. He never dropped. Which he is- went down to one several times. Every time you rolled, you would get the ones. It was oh. the ma- there was a magic there. Like he and Scott's character died twice. Bonnie's character ended up dying, but Matt with two hit points. Yeah, he would just he dropped the one twice. I was sitting right next to him. Okay. I gave him a potion of healing. For one hit for point. One hit and point. I'm like, you, That's you have sickle. two hit points, so it's worth it, right? I'm doubling your hit point value right now. Yeah, you get a 100% increase. <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, I think it's probably about that time for final thoughts on uh, the OSR, our first foray into the OSR, uh, what we liked and what we didn't. So, for final thoughts, what do you guys think that we maybe we haven't covered yet that, uh, that really stuck out to you or that you would maybe – use or or encourage other people to use something odd i missed the d6 initiative i kind of dug that because like i roll like you know below average on a d6 i got a two i low i roll bad on a d20 i've got a five i'll be going next week so that was kind of nice i liked the fluidity of the game i liked how everything came together it wasn't especially like we had some less experienced players at the table It, it was all very accessible the combats were smooth, the encounters were smooth, and it gave us a chance to focus on the things like the story, the environment, and the characters. So, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think to this point, like, I think there's a, there's less choice. I like the, I like the low resource kind of idea where you can't, having one spell is an extreme example of that, but I like the idea that I just can't come in there and I'm like, bah, 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 bah. like, I have to think about it, and there's legitimate danger like the next room is going to be that and i think you know there's ways to bring that into 5e that extra bit of danger using a lot of the things from 1e like i'm planning the serious injury thing i'm working on that for the next campaign and a couple things with the waves of low hit point monsters like i think it was a lot of fun like i said earlier coming back now years and years later and getting to play it and see it how it really steps up against 5e there yeah, for me, I I really enjoyed it. I I only ran it. I didn't get to play it. I'm hoping at some point we might crack it out every now and then and somebody might run a game in it. Uh, because that was one of the beautiful things was that we did, we got together, we ordered some lunch, made characters, made two characters, because I knew they were going to need some. Because um, as I said, the birthday boy, both his characters died. So happy birthday. What are you going to do? Uh, and he loved it. He loved it. But um, but it was – we made characters, and then we ran an entire dungeon. Now, you guys didn't go to the other side of the dungeon. That's fine. But you still could have because you explored. You were, you know, checking walls, finding secret things, fight. We had so many encounters. I, don't, I mean, six, seven, eight encounters maybe, all told. Um, About that. And big battles. I mean, you know, 10 goblins running down the hall at you, you know, five goblins around the campfire. These were massive things. And we ran through all of them while exploring the dungeon and checking for traps and all of this, you know, even though you guys unfortunately didn't set off any of the, the traps, that would have been fun. Like the Thank God we didn't. I was waiting the whole time for That's someone it. just to be <clears throat> like down to pit trap or something. Yeah, it was as a, as a very quick aside in my final thoughts, because it's worthwhile. There was literally a door 
that the door was trapped, right? And it was like poison darts that I think might just kill you or do so much damage that you're dead. And then when you open the door, you walk into a room and it's just a pit that you fall in and die. There's nothing <laughs> That's else there. And I'm like, who builds that in a dungeon? It's like, a door that's... to the outside of the building where you just walk out and fall down. I see. I was like, it doesn't even lead. It's not protecting anything. It's not like, you know, anyway. But that's that's kind of what I loved about it is it is so fast paced. You can you can make characters with brand new people pretty quickly and run an entire adventure all within four or five hours, uh, which, as we found in 5e, is not it. That's a little bit a little bit harder to do. You really got to. You really got to tighten it up if you're running in something like 5e. But um, I would highly recommend getting into some of the OSR stuff for any of you guys. If you've been thinking about trying it out, grab one of them. They're all going to be probably pretty similar. They're all based off of like kind of basic D&D. And they just switched them over to a D20 system entirely and ascending armor class. Because uh, I'm not going to get into the Thacko debate. <laughs> it's just not, sorry, it's not intuitive. I don't care. It's just not. But um, but yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks again for stopping in. Uh, this was great. I'm hoping we crack open the OSR again at some point. I I was saying I might crack it open for Ravenloft for Halloween. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's going to be it for this week. If you guys remember too, uh. If you are rolling any dice, you know, go check out fanrolldice.com slash REF slash 2871. That is uh, the 10% off from 3WD, from us to you. Right now, they're giving away, like, mini dice and stuff with all the orders. I don't know. All kinds of stuff. Go check them out. But as we do each week, uh, we're going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us out. Thank you all for listening from home. Uh, This has been another episode of Three Wise DMs. We've been growing really fast because of all your support. Thank you very much for that. If you want to support the show more, please hit that five-star rating button. Give us a good review. Tell your friends. And all that really does help us get out there and get the message out there and signal boost. And you just try to reach as many DMs as we can. We would love to hear the problems you're having DMing. We deal with a lot of listener questions right on the show. So if you have anything you'd like to hear us talk about, please send it in to 3wisedms at gmail.com. Go to our website, 3wisedms.com, and put it in the What's Your Problem field, or come talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're active in all those social media networks. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time. 3 Wise DMs.